Welcome to Soul Food, a podcast ministry of Calvary Chapel, Princeton, West Virginia. See everyone this morning. Uh, as you know, we teach through the scriptures. Uh, we've been going looking at uh, the books of Thessalonians, and uh, we'll continue there today in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. Uh, but before I do, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your presence here this morning. We thank you for your people. You're such a good, good God. We're just awestruck at your awesome goodness to us and your love for us. We just ask you to bless your word this morning that it would go forth in power and produce fruit in us. In Jesus' name. Briefly, to summarize, in case you... I hate to jump into the very end of the book, so... Um, Basically, over in the book of Acts at chapter seven, uh, 16, Paul had a vision where he was called to come to Macedonia to preach the gospel to them. And on the way, he stopped at uh, Philippi where there was a slave girl who had a demon in her who was practicing divination. And she kind of got on Paul's nerves, so he cast the demon out of her. And that got him in trouble with the local authorities, um, the, the guys who were making money off of her, were upset, and had Paul beaten. Uh, Paul and Silas were thrown in jail. There's songs about it I'm sure you've heard. They were thrown in jail, and then there was a miraculous delivery of their imprisonment. Uh, The jail bars were broken open, and in the process, the jailer and his whole family got saved. So Paul, Paul finally, after going through that, made it to Thessalonica. Thessalonica was a thriving port city on a, a... east-west Roman highway. There were tons of philosophies there. There was all kinds of religions practiced there. There were pagan religions. There was a sizable amount of Jewish population there. And Paul got to preach there for three Sabbaths, and he had amazing results. But again, the persecution started up, and Paul was forced to move on. So hence, later, Paul sends Timothy back to check on this church that he started in three weeks. And Timothy gives him a report, and and Paul wrote 1 Thessalonians. A few months after that, then Paul wrote 2 Thessalonians. In these two books, Paul has taught about, uh, dealt with the persecution that the Thessalonians were going through. They were heavily persecuted for their faith, but they were a very rapid growing church and a very loving church. And even though they had a lot of errors in their teaching and there were some problems in the church, Paul loved on them. He, He... he was thankful for them, and he, he dealt with several topics there. He dealt with the persecution that they were going through. He, there was also a problem with laziness. There were people who thought, well, Jesus' return is imminent, so I'm going to just not work, and I'm going to mooch off the church. I'm going to freeload off of the blo- other brothers that have a lot of money or, or are well off. Um, there was a problem of sexual temptation because these people had been saved from worshiping false gods, which entailed... Uh, sexual immorality, there were temple prostitutes and a lot of uh, things that were were going on. So Paul had to deal with that because some of those folks were tempted to go back to that or or try to bring that even into Christianity. There was a problem with their end-time philosophy, which is called eschatology. Some of them thought because of the persecution they had missed the rapture and were very upset that, that they had missed it and wondered what would happen to their loved ones who had passed away. And so Paul dealt with all of these things, and then that brings us up. uh, He also talked about the Antichrist and the rapture, and that brings us up to chapter 3, where we are today. First slide, please. Finally, brethren, pray for us 
that the word of the Lord may run swiftly and be glorified just as it is with you and that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men for not all men have faith. Next slide, please. But the Lord is faithful who will establish establish you and guard you from the evil one and we have confidence in the Lord concerning you both that you do and will do the things which we command you. Next slide. Now, May the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and the patience of Christ. After all the teaching that Paul had done, he kind of says, finally, brethren, pray. It's kind of like the capstone, the summit of all he's taught them. He says, pray. You know, there's thousands of books written on prayer, but many of us don't feel like we really understand or have, have a handle on prayer. We don't know how to pray. We don't know what to pray for or who can pray. In Matthew chapter 16, verses 18 and 19, I might have the next slide too. Jesus said this when he was talking to Peter. Peter had come to him and he'd said, Who do you guys say that I am? And they said, Some say you're this and some say you're that prophet and some say you're that. But Peter boldly spoke up and said, You are the Son of the Most High God. You are the Savior. And Jesus replied, and these are his words, And I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on the earth shall be loosed in heaven. Now, the Catholic Church is saying that Peter is the rock, but actually what Jesus is saying, the fact that you recognized that I am the Son of God, upon that rock, I'm going to build my church. And I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom. So what was he talking about, the keys to the kingdom? You know, Jesus said, whatever you bind on earth, I'll bind in heaven. In other words, what you think is acceptable on the earth, we'll let it be acceptable in heaven. It's kind of what he's saying. But we're still confused about who can pray. Well, you know, it doesn't matter if you got saved last night. Or you've been saved 60 years, you can pray, can't you? It doesn't matter if, if you're homeless or if you live in a mansion. It doesn't matter if you're the president or if you're the custodian in the local school. Or It doesn't matter. Everybody is qualified to pray. But there seems to be a lot of confusion about it. So I looked up some statistics. You know I love statistics. A group of physicians used a double-blind study on the efficacy of Christian prayer on healing. Patients from the San Francisco General Medical Center were randomly divided into placebo and test groups. Patients in the test groups were prayed for by Christians. The placebo group received no prayer. There were no statistical differences between the placebo group and the prayer groups before the prayer was initiated. The results demonstrated that patients who were prayed for suffered less congestive heart failure, required less diuretic and antibiotic therapy, had fewer episodes of pneumonia, had fewer cardiac arrests, and were less frequently intubated and ventilated. Does prayer work? We seem to be confused about that these days. uh, There was also a study by the U.S. News and Internet site BeliefNet they funded a poll to learn 
more about why, how, and where, and when people pray. 75% of the people praying were Christians. That's the good news. 64% say that they pray more than once a day. 56% say they pray most often for family members, with 3.3% saying that they pray for strangers. A little over 38% say that most import, the most important purpose of prayer is intimacy with God. 41% say that their prayers are answered often. 1.5% say that their prayers are never answered. Over 73% say when their prayers are not answered, the most important reason is because they did not fit God's plan. 5% say that they pray most often in a house of worship. 79% say they pray most often at home. 67% say that in the past six months, their prayers have related to continually giving thanks to God. An Ellis Research Survey for Facts and Trends finds that just 16% of pastors are very satisfied with their personal prayer lives. 47% are somewhat satisfied, 30% somewhat dissatisfied, and 7% very dissatisfied. Their median amount of prayer time per day is 30 minutes for pastors. During that time, a typical pastor spends 12 minutes with prayer requests, 8 minutes in quiet time, 7 minutes giving thanks, 7 more in praise, and 5 minutes confessing sin. The top five things they pray for are individual congregation member needs, congregation spiritual health, wisdom in leading the church, spiritual growth for the church, and personal spiritual growth. Seems to be a lot of confusion about prayer. Let's look at the next slide, please. Jesus taught us how to pray. Remember, he said, Our Father, which art in heaven, everybody's familiar with the Lord's Prayer. But when we say it, do we really understand what, we're, what he is talking about? Let's look at the next slide, please. We're going to move through this swiftly. Our Father. When we say our Father, we're talking to our Creator, the God who made us, the God who spoke the universe into the existence, the star speaker, the most powerful being in all the universe. When we pray, we say our Father. We're talking to him in heaven. He's not on the earth. We don't pray to anything on this earth. But our Father is in heaven. Hallowed be your name. That is our perspective. He is holy. He is righteous. He is all-powerful. We are not. It's a matter of respect and reverence to him. So we come to him acknowledging, first of all, who he is, and we come to him acknowledging, uh, re revering his name and giving him rever reverence. The next slide, please. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is written in heaven. Um, Jesus taught us to pray for God's will to be done on the earth. Now, a lot of folks will teach you that everything that happens is God's fault, hurricanes and floods and all these things. If that were true, why would Jesus ask you to pray for, his will to be done, for God's will to be done on the earth? Remember when Jesus was on the boat in the storm and he was asleep and the disciples said, Hey, wake up, we, we perish, we're going to die here. And what did Jesus do? He stood up and rebuked the storm. If the storm had been God's will, he would have been rebuking the Father. So there's a lot of things that happen on the earth that are not God's will. And we need to ask that God's will be done on the earth, in our lives, in our family members' lives. That's a guideline for how to pray. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And again, Matthew, uh, Jesus says, Assuredly, whatsoever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. 
it makes me wonder if the church, Jonathan made a statement the other night at, at home group that the church has failed. And I have to kind of agree with them. I wonder if the previous generations of the 60s and the 70s had really been praying and really been in touch if Roe versus Wade would have ever passed. Would 62 million more babies be alive? Did we lose them because we as a church failed to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done? Next slide, please. Give us this day our daily bread is basically acknowledging that everything we have. You might think, well, I worked my way here. Who put the air in your lungs? Who put the blood in the vein in your veins? Everything we have is a gift from God. It's an act, another act of reverence and an acknowledgement that He is our source. He is our daily bread, and and recognizing that it's a matter of being thankful and grateful. That is, should be part of our prayer life every day, that we thank Him that everything He has blessed us with. I cannot tell you how good God is in my personal life. I'm amazed. I'm astounded at how wonderful God is. Do I deserve it? Absolutely not. But He is always faithful. He never fails. When I'm unfaithful, He remains faithful. He cannot fail. And He is our source and our provider. Next slide, please. Forgive us our debts as we forgive those who sin against us, as some different versions of that say. Uh, Jesus taught us in Mark there. Um, he said, but that, that you may know that the Son of Man, or in Matthew first, he says that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. The only one who has the power to forgive sins is Jesus. The Bible says that at every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that he is Lord. There is no name under heaven given whereby men must be saved. No other one. You can't do it through Buddha, Muhammad, Baha'i faith, any other faith. There's only one way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Any man who tries to enter in any other way is a thief and a robber. So we can ask God to forgive our sins because of what he has done on the cross, what Jesus did on the cross for us. Next slide, please. Lead us not into temptation. There's some confusion about that. Uh, James 1.13 says, Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But it goes on to say that we're carried away by our own lusts and our own desires, the things that cause us to sin. But basically this prayer we're asking God to protect us from the one who will tempt us, the liar, the thief who comes to kill, steal, and destroy, the enemy of our soul. We're saying, Lord, protect us. You know, it's, there's so much delusion and deception in the world, and it's so easy, it's so easy to believe a lie and get deceived. And so we're asking, we're recognizing that on my own, there is no hope. No hope. There is no hope. I'm saying, when, I, when we're praying this, we're saying, Father, protect me from the deception. Protect me from the lies. Put your truth, your word in my heart. Uh, the psalmist said, uh, your, your, light, your word is a, a light unto my feet and a lamp unto my path. So, next slide, please. Deliver us from evil. John 10.10 10. 
Uh, and John 8:44 in the Niv, I like the Niv version of that. But John 10:10 10, 10 says, "The thief does not come, but except to steal and to kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and they may have it more abundantly." In John 8:44, he says he was talking to the Pharisees there and the Sadducees. He said, "You belong to your father, the devil." You want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of it. There is tons of lies out there today, folks. If you do not ask God to protect and hide your heart, you could be susceptible to these things. Then he closes this prayer with, Yours is the kingdom. Everything is God's. He created it. He spoke it into existence. He is the owner. He owns you. He created you. He called you from your mother's womb. And you know what else? Not only does he own you that way, but his son died on the cross for your sins. So he bought you back. Even though you were lost and undone, he's paid the price to buy buy you back. So he owns you twice by, by being your creator and being your savior. So he acknowledges that. Yours is the kingdom. He is the owner. And because he is the creator, the owner, he, blood, he deserves all the power and the glory forever. Well, what do we pray for? Next slide, please. Paul said, pray for us that the word of the Lord may run swiftly and be glorified just as it is in you. Remember, these folks had been worshiping pagan gods. They'd been involved in sexual immorality. They'd been involved in all kinds of crazy philosophies. And what does Paul say? Paul does not pray that his TV ministry gets the funds sent in. He doesn't pray for a jet to travel the world for missions trip. He doesn't pray for, he doesn't ask you to pray that that their educational system or their school would be uh, financially supported. But he says, pray for us that the word of the Lord may run swiftly. Now, why would he say that? Because you see, there's only, that is the only thing that can change the human heart. The word of the Lord. Pray that the word of the Lord would go forth swiftly because it's the only hope for America. It's the only hope for our lost loved ones. It's the only hope for the, for the world is the word of God. Pray that it may run swiftly. There was a story uh, C.H. Spurgeon had at one time uh, a church. He was called the Prince of Preachers. And, and Spurgeon had a church in England that would hold 7,000 people. And it was like a phenomena for his, his day and age, which that's still a pretty big church even for today. And preachers from all over the world would travel there to witness what was going on in Spurgeon's church because revival was going forth. He was preaching God's word, and people were getting saved just amazingly in, in, in large numbers. One group that pulled up to the church to come and check it out got out of the church and they saw a man in coveralls working around the church and they assumed he was the custodian. So they asked him, what is the power source for this huge building? You know, what, what is the power of this church? And she, he said, okay, I'll show you. And he led them down into the basement of the church and down a long corridor. And when he got to a room at the end of the corridor, he opened the door. And when he opened the door, these guys were expecting some gigantic furnace or, you know, I don't know what, to heat and cool and power this building. There were 200 men on their knees praying. And the man said, this is what powers this church. A lot of folks think a great preacher makes a great church. But it's actually the inverse. A praying church makes a great preacher and a great pastor. 
Well, later that evening when they went back for the evening service, the guy in the coveralls had changed, and it was C.H. Spurgeon. <laughs> he was the pastor there. So Paul says, pray that the word would spread freely and have free course. Also notice that he says when it does do that, that runs swiftly, that it would be glorified. It brings glory to God, every sinner that's saved. The Bible says that the angels rejoice in heaven when a, when a sinner comes to him. It's the only thing that can deliver us from evil. It's the only thing that can change our heart. Alistair Begg this week said that, you know, we always have these large assaults on the church. We have different groups that want to wipe us out. But he said that will never work. The real danger that would destroy the church is a compromise of the truth. So we must pray that the word of the Lord runs swiftly. Next slide, please. Because compromise, without the word, we won't realize what it is. Verse 2 says, And that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, for not all have faith. Now, boy, that's an understatement if there ever was one. Not all have faith. Paul says, Pray that the word of God goes forth, and pray that we'll be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men of faith. I was going to put a slide in here, too, but I thought they were inappropriate. But I want to talk to you about some things that probably get me banned from YouTube. But uh, there is a large push in this country, and you've seen it. It's on TV. It's on commercials everywhere. And I, it's the LBGTQRSTUV, whatever, movement. This week, I don't know if you heard, but the Disney CEO donated $5 million to the LBGT community to teach gay sex and transgenderism. Also, I don't know if you know, but USA Today declared Richard Levine Woman of the Year. And maybe you don't know who Richard Levine is. He goes by Rachel Levine. He is the Assistant Secretary of the Department of Health, Education, and Welfare in our country. He thinks he's a woman. He wears a dress. And he's written an article on how to have or safe orgies during COVID. There are over 50 LBGTQ people in our government right now. And the plan is to appoint more than the Obama administration had, which was 350. The administration just nominated a man named Sam Brenton. Uh, he's an MIT graduate uh, to the Department of Energy. He will be in charge of nuclear waste disposal. But Sam is an LBGT activist and a public sadomasochist enthusiast. He likes to wear women's clothing, red high heels and green dresses and red lipstick. And he does that because it invokes conversations about his leanings. In other words, he wants to disturb the workplace and stir up discussions about that because he wants to fight with you over it. He also has a thing that he likes to do called pup play, where he dresses his partners up as dogs with a full mask and muzzle and puts a leash on them 
when he engages in activities. I was going to send you a picture of these two guys, but I just felt checked by the Holy Spirit not to share, show those two guys to you. But these people think they are women. Now you say, Steve, that's, that's their personal life. That doesn't really apply. But when it's all over social media, and they've got these pictures of themselves all over social media, it's no longer private. And when they proclaim this Sam Britton, his thing is he wants to teach your children healthy sexuality. He wants to teach your kids healthy sexuality. And so does Rachel Levine. Just, I know that you're going to sleep like a baby tonight knowing that he is over the education of your children and their mental health. Here's a guy who thinks he's a woman, and he's going to be over your kids' mental health. You see, these folks... Now, don't take me wrong. I don't want any hate against these people. These people are lost. Our attitude should be, pray that the Word of God would go forth swiftly and be, God be glorified in their lives. Not ugly to these people, not hateful to these people, but it should force us to, to our knees. We're living in Sodom. We are living in Sodom. And there is a move to get our kids. They're after our children. There's a move to teach this in the schools. Two teachers, I can't remember, I think it was Kentucky, just got suspended for trying to convince an eight-year-old girl that she was a boy. Now I'm going to be real bold and blunt with you here. There's not 57 religions. You're not transing into something other than what God birthed you at. There's two genders. And the reason I know that, because the Creator only created two genders. And He said that. And you know what else? He, he, he created the family. The family. And there are powers that be that want to destroy the family by destroying the gender and causing gender confusion. They're teaching this stuff to five-year-olds. I've learned that in the schools, they're taking five-year-old kids and saying, well, you know, you have boy parts, and, and you have girl parts, and but how do you feel in your head? How do you feel in your head? My granddaughter made a statement the other day. The kids were talking. I don't remember even what they were talking about, but it startled me, and I know they're teaching that they're getting this at school. She said, do not assume gender identity. They're teaching five-year-olds this stuff. You don't, they're letting five-year-olds pick their gender. You don't let a five-year-old pick their lunch. Because they'll eat cupcakes every day. Right? Paul said that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men. For not all have faith. For not all have faith. Pray that the word of God would go forth and God would be glorified. Todd Starnes, who is a Christian commentator on the radio, I don't know if you've heard him. He's a, he's, he has a, also has a daily devotional book out. Uh, has, has made the statement that, make no mistake, they intend to legalize pedophilia in our nation. That is the goal. So what are we going to do about it? 
pray that the word of God go forth. I can't urge you enough. Pray that God's word be glorified. That we be delivered from wicked men. Hate them? No, absolutely not. Love them into the kingdom. Lift them up before God. That is our job. We are soldiers of the cross, but I feel that many of us don't know what's going on in the world around us. We're busy just trying to make our living and feed our families and clothe our families and do these things. And I don't think many of us know the deception and the deceit that's going on. Next slide, please. There's some comfort, though. Don't want you to be upset about all these things. As Alistair Begg said, these assaults will not destroy Christianity. What will destroy Christianity is we compromise the truth. Like the Mormon church. The Mormon church looks good, doesn't it? I mean, one of the wealthiest churches in the world. They dress nice. They got a great choir. But their doctrine is insanely false. And they're lost. And don't even know it. And that could be you and me. Except for the word of God and the grace of God. We could be deceived. We could be Rachel Levine. We could be Sam Britton. You know, I think the reason I'm here today, I had a great-grandmother. Her name was Dora Hoderfield. And she kind of looked like Corey Ten Boom, if you've seen pictures of Corey Ten Boom. When I was a little kid, I used to stay with her. And she'd tuck me in at bed at night. And her and my great-aunt would start praying. And they'd pray, and they'd pray, and they'd pray, and they'd pray. And I don't know when they stopped. But the first thing I would hear in the morning, they would wake me up praying. And I really think I'm here because of those two little old ladies. Will you be that person for someone else? Will you be that person for your family? Our kids are facing terrible, terrible things. But Paul says, but the Lord is faithful who will establish you and guard you from the evil one. You know, that's one. That's my new favorite verse. That's my new favorite verse. We, we like to quote Philippians, you know, my God says I can do all things through, my, to, through Jesus Christ and cast all your cares upon him for he cares for you. This is my new favorite verse. But the Lord is faithful who will establish you and guard you from the evil one. Because see, Satan's not taking a vacation. He, he doesn't take cruises and leave. He is busy. But thanks be to God, our Lord is faithful. He can guard our hearts. He can protect us from these lies. He can protect us and plant his word and the truth in us. I don't know about you this morning, but my prayer life isn't where it ought to be. I pray every day, twice a day. I pray for you guys and I pray for my family. But I need to pray for the lost. These people who have this agenda to push this insanity in the world. I need to pray that God would open their eyes because they're deceived. They're lost and undone. Let's not walk in fear. Let's walk in faith. Let's make 
this, our favorite verse this week. But the Lord is faithful who will establish you and guard you from the evil one. There's a lot of folks lost and undone out there. Who's going to pray for them? Who's going to intercede? Will it be you? can vote with your pocketbook. <laughs> Not only can you pray, you can vote with your pocketbook. You can vote with your pocketbook. But we're living in dark times. We're living in dark times. And I, I pray every day, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Because I don't want my grandkids drug into this. I know a, a black pastor friend of mine, I talked to him last week, and he told me his granddaughter kissed another girl in school. And when he asked her why, this is because they had dared her to. This stuff is going on. They challenged her to. They plant this stuff in their mind. And that's the way Satan works. If he can get you to question the word of God, or if he can just plant one little lie, then he can lead you away from the only one who loved you, created you, and died for you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness that you can protect us from the evil one. We have no power, no strength or wisdom. We confess that to you. You are our all in all this morning. And we thank you for your word. We pray that your word would go forth not just in our lives, but in the lives of these confused people, in the lives of these deceived people, in the lives of these lost. Lord, place a burden on each of our hearts and help us be, give us the strength to be faithful to pray that your word would go forth and change these folks. That their efforts would actually just be reversed and they would come to the knowledge of Jesus as Lord. Thank you for this day. It's been a wonderful day to be in your house. We praise you and worship you in Jesus' name.